Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. With the first pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select Anthony Edwards from the University of Georgia. Who will be the number one pick tonight? Well, Kate Cunningham will. <laughs> but is it the right pick? People will come on with and have with conviction. that Cade's going to be the star. But you may or may not be aware there are other players who have gone number one who have not turned out to be the best player in the draft. So I get there's conviction right now, but are they right? Ben Simmons went number one five years ago. You know, five years in, you can really start judging NBA guys' career. And there's still long, you know, a lot of chapters to write when you're five years into your NBA career and you're really good. But right now, would Denver trade Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons? How does that commercial go? No, 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 no. You got it. Right? Ben Simmons went seventh. Excuse me. Jamal Murray went seventh. Ben Simmons went first. So, you never really know. Now, the Jazz are drafting late. Five years ago, Pascal Siakam went 27th. Did the Jazz want to draft a project? I think the answer to that is no, and we can get into that coming up later this morning. Ben Anderson, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com, will join us at 9 after Craig Bowlerjack is here at 8.30. Got conviction. If you think you got your guy, draft him. Because if you get a really good basketball player, you're never going to regret it. I mean, that is obvious, isn't it? But if you get a guy who you think you're going to have to develop, and you have to work two or three years, and then he can become a role player, that would be a win most years when you're drafting in the back half of the first round. Hey, this guy can be a nice NBA player. He develops into a rotation guy. He plays in the league seven to ten years or something like that. That would be a win. That would be better than most people who get drafted in the second half of the first round, and the Jazz have the 30th pick. So even if they get trade up five or ten spots and get a guy who eventually will be a nice NBA player, Now is not the time. Get a veteran who can help you win. You had the best regular season record in the NBA. The future is now. We'll get into that coming up. Pelican center Jackson Hayes was arrested in Los Angeles area early Wednesday morning after an alleged altercation with a police officer. This will shock you, but TMZ was reporting on this. The 30-mile zone, baby. Give me some celebrity news. According to TMZ's report, Police were called to a Los Angeles area home because of a domestic disturbance, and Hayes tried to prevent officers from entering the property. Fight reportedly ensued that sent Hayes, who was shocked with a taser, to a local hospital where he was treated for minor injuries. An officer involved in the incident also sought treatment. TMZ always gets this stuff first. Why? Because they pay people. I've been told by people in the legal profession in Southern California, they got them on retainer. Court clerks know... Here's how I make some extra money. Not sure what the pay scale is. But here's how you make a little bonus cash. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Somebody wants a vacation. 
You get something worthwhile, you call it in, you get paid. Mike D'Antoni is leaving the Brooklyn Nets after serving as an assistant under Steve Nash for one season. He's expected to throw his hat in the ring for some head coaching jobs. I don't know if that means there was trouble behind the scenes in Brooklyn. Is he not getting along with people? Was there some clashing going on? 70 years old. You can get, he just doesn't want to, if I'm not a head coach, I'd want to deal with all the rigors of an NBA season. I was going to say. All the testing and the traveling and the, the thing is, the NBA is such an insular culture. Like They're not hanging out with their neighbors. They don't live within a 20-minute drive of a gazillion extended family members. So their friends, their social circle is that work circle. And you leave it, and then what? Well, you move to Hawaii like Don Nelson, everything's fine, because you got a grundle of money. Well, maybe Mike will be fine. But you always hear people say, well, the thing I'm going to miss most is the people. Now he's going to miss the people, unless he gets that head coaching gig. The G League Ignite is finalizing a deal with USC Associate Head Coach Jason Hart to be the program's new head coach. Hart takes over for Brian Shaw, who is joining the LA Clippers as their top assistant. Yach put this in there just so I could say Brian Shaw, former gaucho. Yach, thank you very much. You're welcome. I just like bringing up the gauchos. So that's what this is, is a stepping stone. Well, they've got two of the top prospects, Jalen Green and Jonathan. I meant Camino. for coaches. Oh, for coaches, sure, yeah. yeah. It's Hart, a landing spot. Yeah, Hart's going to be an associate head coach at USC. To what happened at USC? Coach. Is there anything I need to know about? Not that I'm aware of. Just an FBI investigation? No. he. I don't think he's necessarily Uncertainty. No, but if you want to, where's this program going? Sure. It's going sideways. What I do for my career, I want to go to the pros. Hey, Andy Enfield, so, I'm out. Bye. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have the first clue whether they got zero things or 10,000 things on him. But regardless, or as PK would say, irregardless. Time for the next chapter. And, you know, moving around and coaching, developing, networking with more people, it's a good thing. So, I just wonder if USC is going a little sideways, and now that the boom has been lowered on Arizona, when does the boom get lowered on USC? Or does it? That's a different set of circumstances. Maybe it doesn't. But. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I'm not a victim here at all. I just want to reiterate that. Like, I've been paid a ton of money by this organization. I'm so thankful to be a starter here for my 14th season. Uh, not many guys have the opportunity to do that. So I'm not, uh, I don't feel like anything's been done to me. There is, it's, it's a business. It's an incredible opportunity to play this game. Uh, it's a tough business too, though. And this is part of it. So I, I totally get that point. And that's, that's not lost on me. That's why I'm just going to enjoy this season like I did last year, have the right perspective, and, and then make decisions at the end of the season. Aaron Rodgers, holding a long press conference. No one word answered. Well, maybe there was, I didn't see every second of it, but there were a lot of in-depth answers there. He, he let it roll. Somebody, one of the stories I read timed, like, man, he gave a thorough answer to that question. It was like four minutes and 51 seconds. I'm glad I'm not the person who times NFL press conferences. I'm happy about that. I think what it comes down to is everything ends poorly, otherwise it wouldn't end. And Rogers said, point blank, he wanted to be involved. He wants to recruit free agents. And he wants to be involved. And the thing is, like, some players are good at that and some want more say and aren't happy when they don't get their say. And that can be pretty tricky. And who knows how that's playing out behind the scenes.
And he saw his time coming to an end. Everything ends poorly, otherwise it doesn't end. Hey, wait a minute. I don't have a long-term deal, and I don't have any say in the club. He basically said, it's feeling like a lame duck, and if I'm a lame duck, let's just move on and go somewhere where I have a future. I just don't think you can have that much of a future in your late 30s. The list of quarterbacks who've been really good at 38, 39, 40, 41 gets real short, real fast. But if he could have leveraged his way out and landed like Peyton Manning did in Denver, where he had four good years, two of them ended in the Super Bowl, one with a win, one with a loss, I can see why he might have tried to leverage himself in that direction. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott left practice early yesterday with soreness in his right throwing shoulder and was pulled in a precautionary move. An MRI showed a muscle strain in his right shoulder. He'll be treated and further evaluated on a day-to-day basis, the team said in a statement. When I was in college, there was a guy who was like 20, late 20s, 27, 28, 29. He came back. He seemed impossibly old at the time. <laughs> Greg Van Ness. And said he had uh, played college football and he admitted he'd just been kind of a vagabond, like four different schools in five years. He went to a school, he went to a JC, he went to another school, and then he transferred again. Way ahead of his time as far as transferring. But UNLV, North Texas, I forget what the other school was. Said he got invited to the Broncos camp, and I kind of raised an eyebrow. He goes, and that's when I found out what a lousy quarterback I was. I was meat. And I played catch with him. He threw a football harder than anyone I've ever caught a football from in my life. It was a completely different game. It hurt. The ball was coming in so so fast. like, oh, this is how people break fingers doing this. My gosh. And I said something mad. He goes, now nah, I went to an NFL camp, and I found out I had a rag for an arm. He was in a Bronco camp. He said, forget John Elway. Everybody, all the backups' arms were 10 times stronger than mine, and then Elway's was 10 times stronger than theirs. It's like a, it's a whole different level. But the point is, you got to bring quarterbacks in to do the throwing, and that's what he was done. He said, I was getting cut from before the day I got there. But the Dak Prescotts of the world can't end up with sore shoulders because they threw too much. If everybody else needs reps in the offense, get some college quarterback to throw it because you got to preserve. Preserve and protect the stars. Saints coach Sean Payton expressed his frustration over the fact that star wide receiver Michael Thomas did not have ankle surgery until June. Though he declined to elaborate on why the procedure was delayed. Thomas, who was plagued by the injury throughout last season, expected to miss time at the start of this season. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported in January that Thomas was expected to undergo surgery to repair the torn deltoid and other injured ligaments in his ankle. But it was revealed just last week that Thomas did not have surgery until after he reported for the Saints' mandatory minicamp in June. So, while the Saints obsess about this, this is a warning to all of you who play fantasy football. Michael Thomas might be a value pick later in the draft. Draft and stash. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby accused ESPN of encouraging other conferences to pick apart the league so Texas and Oklahoma can move to the SEC more quickly without paying a massive buyout. I have absolute certainty that they have been involved in manipulating other conferences to go after our members, Bowlesby told Associated Press on Wednesday after sending a season desist letter to the network. In the letter, Bowlesby said ESPN is actively engaged in discussions with at least one other conference regarding that conference inducing additional members of the Big 12 Conference to leave the Big 12 Conference. 
Reports later indicated the conference referenced was the American Athletic Conference. Three things on this. Not two, Yach. Let the record show I have three things. Hold on. Three? Yeah. No. Okay. Number one, it could be true. I don't have any inside information. So I devolve to what makes sense. Item number two, the American Athletic has to be told to go after these teams. They have to be told, you're the American Athletic. You better go after these teams because they might come after Houston, Memphis, and Cincinnati, who are all members in your league. We've had Oresco there, Commissioner Mike Oresco, on, on this show. And, yes. Yeah. The Big East and the ACC. The Big East didn't go after the ACC. The ACC went after the Big East. Who plays football and who doesn't play football? Of course the American. They shouldn't have to be told. If they have to be told, then the commissioner, the assistant commissioners, and whoever's on their executive council are too dumb to be their com- commissioner, their assistant commissioner, or whoever's on their executive council. That's an automatic go-to. Number three. Well, of course ESPN did that. And of course, Bowlesby would know. Everybody's got their friends. You used to work with somebody. You had this job. You had that job. You stay in touch. It sure works that way in radio and TV. No people all over town. No people all over the country. Rumors flying back and forth. ESPN told somebody, and somebody told somebody, and that somebody used to work with Bowlesby or somebody who works for Bowlesby, and word got back. There's no way to keep that secret. But hey, a lawyer got paid for a season to assist letter, so that's a win. Texas A&M Board of Regents voted 8-1 to one on Wednesday to direct President M. Catherine Banks to vote in favor of extending invitations to Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC. A vote on the matter could come as soon as today when the SEC convenes a meeting of its presidents and chancellors. That means Texas A&M has already licked its finger, stuck it up to see which way the wind was blowing and realized, hey, we're about to get outvoted 13-1. to one. So we might as well vote yes. Former USC star Reggie Bush will not be getting his Heisman Trophy back anytime soon as the NCAA will not consider reversing penalties or previously vacated records from past years based on recent changes to name, image, and likeness regulations that went into effect this month. No do-overs, no samesies, no observing the rules that exist now, back then. It's okay now, so it's, it was okay back then. Not happening. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch. Ball four. Ball game over. Mullins walks down to score. Cedric Mullins touches up home plate and is a walk-off walk, which forces Mullins down to score, and the Orioles win it 8-7 to seven in nine innings. 1-2. Swing. There's a shot with a gap in right center field. Nobody's going to get it. It hits out of the grass. It's rolling, rolling all the way to the garage door. Watch Jaron fly. Here comes a run to score. He's at third. He's being waved home. Here comes a throw to the plate. He dies. He's safe and inside the park home run for Jared Duran. Can you believe it? Wow. What wheels? 4-1 Red Sox. Bounce 2-1. Here's the pitch. And there's a ball. It's hit well out into right field. And that ball is out of here. Shohei Otani has done it again. That is home run number 37 of the season. That's a three-run shot. Angels take a 4-3 lead, and again tonight, it's showtime. Highlights from Major League Baseball, the Angels, the Shohei Otani show. Show up for Otani's four at-bats. 
or if Otani's on the mound. Other than that, the Angels just keep bouncing around 500. They're now a game, a game over. Heard for the Red Sox there. They get the win. They're two and a half games up on the Rays. The bizarro game of the day. The Tigers beat the Twins 17-14. Everyone's making Lions-Vikings jokes. That's an NFL score. Those are NFC North rivals. Tigers led that game 10 to nothing. And when you're up 10 to nothing, you're told, oh, just throw strikes. Yeah, so what if they hit a solo homer? <laughs> Minnesota came back with six in the fourth. They gave up eight in the top of the fourth. They were down 10 to nothing. If anybody thinks they had no chance, they score six times. They bat around. They load the bases and had the tying run at the plate in the bottom of the fourth inning. That is spectacular. And they loaded the bases again in the fifth and had the tying run to the plate again. Couldn't get a hit. Gave up some more runs and we're down 13 to 6 going to the eighth inning. All you got to do is throw strikes. First guy homers, second guy homers. Now you're gun shy. You don't want to give up three homers in a row. So you walk a guy, so you get pulled. That dude in the bullpen is out. Bring in, what did Kevin Costner say? Meat? Hey, meat, get in here. Throw some strikes and get us out of here. It's 13 to 8. Dude gives up two more homers, more walks. But that inning ended with a called strike three. I don't know why you take a called strike three when you've hit four home runs in the inning as a team. Two off the guy who's on the mound. What are you doing? Swing the bat. You're the go-ahead run. Swing the bat. Tigers win 17-14. That's a weird game. That is a really bizarro game. Washington Nationals didn't get to play their game. Four players, eight staffers testing positive for COVID, all but one vaccinated. Major League Baseball postponing their game against the Phillies last night. They had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, one shot. Apparently not as good against the Delta variant. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yankees reportedly finalizing a deal to acquire all-star outfielder Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers. The Rangers in free-fall mode. That's an easy choice. Are you a buyer or are you a seller? We're 30 games under 500. We're selling. New York's left-handed hitters have struggled this season, ranking last in the majors in batting average. They hit under 200. 28th in homers. 29th in the hard hit rate. That's a new stat. 33% of balls hard hit. They have 22 homers. Shohei Otani. Well, he doesn't have double. He's not at 44 yet. But he's got 70% more homers than all of the Yankees lefties combined. Bees open a series against the Albuquerque Isotopes tonight at 6.35. Listen to the action here on The Zone beginning at 6.15 with the On Deck Circle pregame show with Steve Klauke. You want to do an Olympic update or not, Yak? Sure, go ahead. The U.S. just won gold. Suni Lee with Simone Biles out wins Olympic gold. So there you go. You want to do Olympics? I got you an Olympic. No, that's all I got. Okay. I was just going to listen to the trumpets. Trumpets are cool. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. I get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
When do we get our Olympic updates? We're doing them like every hour. It'll be coming in five-ish minutes. Oh, good. You'll get a real Olympics update there. I just stole the headline. Coming up, Craig Bolerjack, Utah Jazz TV voice on AT&T Sportsnet. He joins us at 8.30. Ben Anderson, jazz writer for KSLSports.com. At 9 o'clock, this is 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You're going to help the Jazz draft, and you're going to do it next. What should they do with the 30th pick in the NBA draft? We will get to that next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. It's our friend David Locke. Give us your overall gauge on the draft. What type of draft is this? For all the criticism of AAU, I actually think there's some value to like how these guys have faced elite-level talent since they've been 12 years old. And so I think these guys are more ready. So it does seem like at the bottom of the draft, there actually might be some rotation players. So with that in mind, what do you think the Jazz do at 30? If you look at the 30th pick as the best way to make us better sometime in the next two or three years, then I honestly think using the 30th pick in some manner that allows us to re-sign Mike Conley and have less tax pressure is probably the correct way to use the 30th pick rather than drafting it. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Surga Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner with Surga Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or... Visit syringanetworks.net. The NBA draft is tonight. You don't have to be there to start because Katie Cunningham's going number one. You don't have to be there right away for the Jazz pick because the I'll Jazz. Turn, I'll turn it at 6.15 then. Okay. ABC and ESPN at 6 o'clock, and then the Sanger round will be on ESPN only. Jazz have the 30th pick. Question of the day, what do you want the Jazz to do? Trade up, trade down, trade out, draft this player, draft that player. What should they do? Their move will be interesting here. There will be other moves made around the league. John Hollinger, former stat guy, former Memphis Grizzlies executive, current writer for The Athletic, says all eyes right now are on the Thunder. There's plenty of rumors that they want to move up to number three and get Evan Mobley out of USC. And of course, as you know, they're sitting on a couple dozen draft picks, so I assume they can move enough draft picks to move up in the draft. Are they going to trade with Cleveland at number three and get Mobley? A USC guy who, if you watch Pac-12 basketball, looks like he'll be a really good pro. Tall, long, athletic, skilled, he looks good. No wonder Oklahoma City would want him. But that's the kind of stuff that people do who've had bad seasons and are struggling to rebuild. Trickier when you've had a good season and you're trying to figure out how to make it a championship season. Question of the morning. Up on Facebook, what should the Jazz do with the 30th pick in the draft? Dan says the usual, pick the best athlete available. That's a safe answer, Dan. And nine times out of ten, I'd sign off on it, but not now. 
Brian's funny. Get another uncoordinated center. Ha ha! Not liking the as of week a pick. Don says the future is now. Trade it out for cash. Another rookie isn't the answer. We are in win now mode. Don, I think you're on to something right there. Will they trade it out for cash? That's one way to do it. If you just heard the promo in the previous break, David Locke was saying, what can you do with the pick that helps you sign Mike Conley? Make it possible to sign Mike Conley. And so Don's point, hey, trade it for cash and use that cash to offset the losses. And when you say sign Conley, you're talking luxury tax, you're setting yourself up for not just another big salary and a high salary total, but luxury tax penalties on top of that. Depending on how long he signed for, you know, they've got repeating luxury tax penalties built into this, and it'll just turn into a lot of money. Now, Ryan Smith is new as an owner. You know, the Millers owned the team for so long, we could kind of gauge what they were going to do. History could be our guide, but Ryan has no track record. How willing is he to be in the luxury tax? How willing is he to be deep in the luxury tax? How many years is he willing to be deep in the luxury tax for? And how close does he have to be to a championship? Does he have to be, like, guaranteed it, overwhelming, like the Warriors were with Durant? It's his money. It's easy for us to spend it all. And we will nonstop. But I think if you're an owner and you're in these positions, different owners are going to answer these different ways. And he hasn't been through this before. We aren't to the one-year mark of him buying the club yet. So these are all new questions, and it's hard to know. So Don, while traded out for cash, is one possible answer. I think a more likely scenario, and one that has been floated by multiple people, so I don't know who to give credit to at first. Uh, certainly who we heard it yesterday from at Trib Jazz, Eric, Eric Walden joined us, and I said, well, and the Jazz have been on the other end of these trades. You take Derek Favors, and you attach the first-round draft pick to a player with an expensive salary, and they might want the player a little, they might want the player quite a bit, but you throw in a late first-round draft pick, and now they're willing to make the deal. For the money they're paying Favors, for the minutes and the production they got in the playoffs, you can see going in another direction there. Who can they bring in for less money who enables them to play a different way? If you have favors, you're going to play the same way that you play with Gobert, but not as at high a level. Favors isn't as tall. He isn't as long. No one's going to defend the way Rudy does. Taylor is ready to move that pick and move Ingles and that pick for Ben Simmons. Get Simmons on the cheap and develop him, which Snyder is excellent at. You get the point. Could Jazz fans adapt to Ben Simmons? Taylor, you just took one of the Jazz most popular players ever. Top 10 most popular players in Jazz franchise history. Excellent summertime uh, topic. Top 10 most popular. Has Joe got a shot at that? Yeah, absolutely he does. 
for Ben Simmons. Public enemy number one. He thought he should be rookie of the year instead of Donovan Mitchell. Police! He was in his second year. Cheater. And then he thought he should be defensive player of the year instead of Rudy Gobert. (laughs) Just picking off Jazz star players one after another and then trying to insult them. And now you want to come here? Well, he probably doesn't want to come here. I don't know where he wants to go, but I can't imagine Utah's at the top of his list. So, just because it's hilarious, that would be a story, and we love stories, and we love stories that are hilarious. But I don't think that's happening. On the Philadelphia end of things, the reporting there says they are waiting patiently, not for the draft, but for the Olympics to end, and Lillard to come back and see his reaction to what's going on in Portland. And is Bradley Beal going to demand out in Washington? And can Philly get into that? Brian says, I'd draft a point guard or a power forward. If the fit isn't right there, trade the pick. Jazz got to fill those two needs somehow this offseason. You need to fill them with somebody who can play pretty quickly. You look at the history of the Jazz and the draft, and there have been a handful of guys who are so good that if the Jazz are that committed right now, if they've worked guys out and they've interviewed guys and they've talked to guys' references and they really believe in somebody, then they shouldn't trade this pick. I mean, that's how they felt about Rudy Gobert. On draft night, they had this little room off to the side where they did the press conferences, and Dennis walked out of it just a bundle of nerves and stress and adrenaline, (laughs) and he sat down at the podium, and Locke was over in the corner, like, making eyes, nodding his head. They all thought they had something in Rudy Gobert. And Locke told PK and I that night, it's going to be a while because he's really raw, but keep your eye on Gobert, really. He could really be something. Well, now we all know what he's talking about. And they had an idea. If they had that kind of idea in somebody, I think they should draft him. And I think a smart move in the, run, in the short run is to trade him. And I think that's the most likely thing to happen, is to trade the pick. And maybe you trade it to get a first-round pick that probably can't be a, a worse first-round pick, right? <laughs> Two, three years down the line. Or maybe you trade it to move a salary off your books. Favor would be an, an obvious possible example. Maybe there's a bigger deal out there that brings in the veteran you need to plug into this team. They've drafted lots of players in the back half of the first round. Morris Allman was the 25th pick. Costa Kufus was the 23rd. Eric Maynard was the 20th pick. You going for the drop, Yuck? I wondered if you would or not. Pavlovian response. Ring the bell. The dogs run over to the dish and they start drooling. PK would demand it. PK would have just done it by now. And for his mom, not to never have to work no more. The triple negative is special. Still spinning. Lots of people will do the double negative, but the triple negative, you break, you're breaking new ground. Rodney Hood, 23. Grayson Allen, tw- Oh, I dropped half in there. I did not get the exact quote. My bad. That's all right. I hadn't heard it in a while. Grayson Allen, 21. 
Would the Jazz be better off with a Grayson Allen type player this year? Or moving it to get a veteran? I think that question answers itself. What should the Jazz do tonight? Trade it. Rico Bear's 29. Donovan Mitchell has a five-year contract, four years guaranteed. So the next three or four years, the Jazz know what they have at the top of the roster. After that, who knows? If you have to rebuild in four years, well, you had a good run. You went to the playoffs a bunch of times. It shakes out however it shakes out. However many conference finals or NBA finals or whatever, you made your run at it. And if those guys at that point want to re-up and want to be here, and if Rudy's defeating father time and flying around the court at the age of 33 like he's still 23, well, he's in Carl Malone territory. It'd be a little hard to believe, but if it happens, great. Then it happens, and you ride it even longer. But you look what the Jazz did when Stockton and Malone were getting this age, and they were trying to build and win now. And they took a few shots in the draft, and some of them paid off. They got Brian Russell in the draft, and he developed pretty quickly, and he started a lot of games for him. But they were out there trading for veterans, signing veterans. And that's where the team needs to be now. And it's kind of hard to wrap your head around because they've been a young team on the way up for so long. But they're just not a young team on the way up anymore. So drafting the next Grayson Allen, who'll shoot it some nights, and okay, and then other nights not so much. But is he really going to come through on the road against the Clippers when the Clippers are on a run and the place is roaring, it feels like all is lost? Feels to me like it's going to take a veteran to turn things around in that moment. Someone who's been in the mix before. And if you just look at the NBA Finals with the Suns and the Bucks, and we saw those runs. We saw teams, both teams, have terrible first quarters and then turn it around in the second quarter. And it was a completely different game in halftime. And who was doing it most of the time? Veterans. Of all the guys on the floor in game six, for both teams, which guy looked most deer in the headlights? I would say DeAndre Ayton. Surprise, DeAndre Ayton was the youngest guy playing big minutes. He had less experience. And if he, he hadn't been in game six of the NBA Finals before. Giannis hadn't been in the NBA Finals before. But you've been deep in big playoff series, in big moments. So even if you haven't felt something exactly like that, you've at least been in the ballpark. And credit to Devin Booker. He had not been in that ballpark before, and he still delivered at a high level multiple times. But by the time the Jazz have a guy who's in his fourth, fifth, sixth year and is ready to pull that off, I'd have to look it up. I think Booker's a fifth-year guy, I think. But by the time a fifth-year guy, really, Rudy, Rudy's 34. The future is now. That is, a, that is almost a 50-year-old quote. It's an NFL coach who used to say that as he traded away draft picks and stockpiled veteran football players. But it was a good line, and it's been reused in every decade since he first said it. George Allen, he was coaching in Washington, got him to a Super Bowl. They lost to the undefeated Dolphins. And it was almost 50 years ago. But it's been repeated every decade. It's been repeated in multiple sports, and I think it's worth repeating in this decade in the NBA for the Utah Jazz. The future is now. 
What are they going to do in these next three to four years? What's the movie line? So you're saying there's a chance. And that's what the Jazz have. They have a chance. Locke laid it out when he was here on the show last week. He said, you go on these websites, you do all these statistical number crunching thing, a 538 or an ESPN, you know, what team does this, what chance does this team to have to win the title? And unless you're the Warriors with Durant or you're the Heat with LeBron, well, then your odds are probably 15%, 21%, I don't think there's anybody in the NBA this year who's given a 30% chance of winning the title. There are a lot of different teams that had a chance. And it came up roses, came up sunshine for the Milwaukee Bucks. But they had a chance the year before and did it. And they had a chance two years before, and they didn't do it then either. So they're one for three. They've connected on 33% of their championship chances. And they'll have a chance next year. And if I had to bet right now, I'd bet against them. But they got a chance. So line up your chance, whether it's 20, 25, 30%. And people will bet against you. But you might get it. Four different champions in the last four years, Locke pointed out. And that hasn't happened since there were five different champions in five years in the late 70s and early 80s. The last guys in those string, Magic getting his first and Bird getting his first. And that seems to be the era now. A lot of talent, a lot of three-point shooters. More talent than ever before because more people are playing basketball at a high level around the world than ever before. There are awesome European players coming in. And if the Jazz, as much as I'm talking trade, if the Jazz see someone in Europe who's a project but who has the high-end possibilities that Gobert had and they can get them late, then I'm fine with passing on the trade. I think it's the most likely way to go. I think it's the best way to go. It's what I expect tonight. But you never know when the phone rings what you're going to be offered. Or when you think you have something, but you got to wait, and the other guy makes a deal and uses the assets he was going to make to do a deal with you. So everything can fall apart. It all hangs in the balance. That's why that night with Rudy Gobert, Dennis Lindsay was a bundle of nerves. Thought he could get the Nuggets pick, and he eventually did, but you never know. What if somebody else calls the Nuggets and makes them an offer the Nuggets like better? 30 minutes before the pick, or 10 minutes before the pick. It's nerve-wracking. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. More on the draft, more on what the Jazz can do, more on what the Jazz should do, with Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock and with Craig Bullerjack at 8.30. That's coming up right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I think the Pac-12 needs to look at this as a golden opportunity to really not necessarily reinvent itself, but to come in with a position of power and say, look, we're going to make this thing bigger. We're going to make this thing better. We're going to reach into the Midwest and we're going to expand. I firmly believe that the Pac-12 needs to position itself and be proactive in terms of we're going to get bigger. We're going to get stronger. 
longer, and we are going to eliminate the Big 12. Add four teams out of the Big 12 right now. Look, everybody is out for their financial best interest. Forget about rivalries. Forget about loyalty. Let's all out the window. Everybody is out for themselves. Everybody's in survival mode. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah. As we count you down to the start of the college football season, it's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union at Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's funny when I listen to Scotty G talk because I talk a lot of sports with Scotty G. Every once in a while we get on the phone and it's just go time. And, you know, we follow the Mountain West, so we'll, we'll hit stuff that's off the beaten path, but then we also, uh, you know, talk about what we've heard or what we know or what we think about whatever's going on with the Jazz, or the Utes, or the Cougars, the NBA, or whatever. And uh, I talked to him about some uh, Jazz stuff the other day, and we, we were pretty much on the same page. And then I hear him do the top 60 and 60, and I think, how can you even do that? With all the transfers now? It's like I want to hear the 60 and 60 and see who they're sold on and why and then see how it pans out. I have never been, and, and this is partly it's the pandemic too, i got to admit, but I have never been more at a loss and more intrigued for a season than I am this one. I know that I know less. We didn't see a full 12-game season last year. We didn't see anything close to it. And some of the games we did see were so weird that it's hard to assess them. When the Utes open the season with a conference game, and it's the first game they played, it's going to be weird. They don't open the season with conference games that are at high stake. And then when they play another team, USC, who's already played football games and isn't playing their first game, when the most improvement you make is between the first and second game, you're into some pretty freaky territory. And if you only play five or six games. So I feel like there's two classes of recruits now that have a chance to burst on the scene. You got a new class of freshmen who just came in. You got a class behind that. And so you got double the unpredictability. And then you stack on top of that all these transfers. Who's going to fit the system? Who is not? Who's going to have the personality and fit with the group, and who is not? Who just isn't that good and transferred to get a fresh start, but is going to get the same amount of playing time that disappointed them at the last place? But who really is in a system that fits their skills better, and is going to blossom? And nobody can answer those questions. Coaches think they can but Kyle will come on the air, and Kalani will come on the air, and they'll tell you, ah, if you hit on two-thirds or three-quarters. Actually, A-Rod said it on BYU Media Day. If you hit on two-thirds or three-quarters of your recruits, so they think they know. And there's a lot of guys now who have been recruiting for a long time here in the state of Utah, so they are pretty good recruiters. they got the track record because it's a dog-eat-dog world, and the coach would have moved them out if they didn't have the track record. So they probably know, it's more likely they know than they don't, but even they know they're going to be disappointed by some of what they see 
and they may not even be 100% sure right now what it is they're going to see. So if they got doubts, how can we have not, not have doubts? And the other thing I completely disagree with Scotty on is raiding the Big 12 and killing that thing off. The Big 12, it's already been dramatically minimized. It doesn't matter. The Pac-12 is the fourth best league. Oklahoma and Texas are gone. The payouts are going to drop big time. You're going to be able to hire away any of their good coaches you want to. That's not your problem. Your problem is not the Big 12. The Pac-12 has passed the Big 12. Protected by geography and the fact that they're a long way away. That doesn't mean that everybody won't work, work their way out west to you eventually. When Kyle says, everything's on the table, there are going to be major changes, don't think these other three leagues can't come calling for USC, because they can. So, I don't think USC is going to feel great about adding Oklahoma State and Texas Tech. I don't think that's going to make USC stay. I don't think adding Utah and Colorado was the kind of move that's going to make USC stay. Those are singles and doubles. Adding Oklahoma and Texas is a home run. Adding Notre Dame would be a home run. If the Pac-12 can get Notre Dame, I would highly recommend it. I don't think there's any chance of that happening. But if they want to call and ask, I would shrug and say, well, I can't tell you not to. I don't think it'll work. So they got to figure out a home run. What's the kind of thing that's going to make them stay? Now, you're in a league that values tradition a little more than the Big 12. The Big 12 is a 25-year-old league. And everybody in that league already threw people overboard to make that league. Threw half the Southwest Conference overboard. There's more tradition. You got that on your side. And I think you need to do something that with your traditional ally, the Big Ten. It's got to be some kind of consortium, scheduling deal. And you got to partner up with them. And you got to go to the Big, 12, Big Ten and say, well, what are you going to do? Go to 20 teams, which is now all the speculation. The SEC's at 16 on the way to 20, which seems crazy to me. But they just snagged Oklahoma and Texas. I wasn't sure 14 was a good idea. They went from, they went from 10 to 12 to 14 to 16. Who says they're stopping? So go with your traditional allies. This isn't how we do it. That's how they do it. Let's do something different that makes money. That's where I'd be looking. Of course, the Big Ten might reject you. <laughs> they might not be up for it. And you make this consortium, and how do Why you... Why do we need you? How do you... Hey, there's, there's problems in this. I mean, I've thrown out the positives in this, but is the Big Ten going to take 50% of the money? They might be looking at it like, why don't we take 60 and you take 40? We've got 14 teams, and you got 12. I can't do the math on what percentage that would be. So all that stuff has to be worked out. But why expand? And there's plans out there. Add six teams. Take the four California schools, Oregon and Washington, become the Western Division of the Big Ten. It'd be new, it'd be unorthodox, it'd be weird. But why do something that weird and that crazy for 20 teams? Go to 26. Have teams in every time zone. Play games all day long. I think you'd be real attractive to a TV network or TV networks. Do the NFL model. You both already have games on ESPN and Fox. You know how to do this, and CBS is a third bidder. Two packages, three bidders. Let's have an auction.
Games all day long. Relaunch the Pac-12 network. Maybe the Pac-12 and Big Ten networks have Big Ten games in the morning and have Pac-12 games at night. All day long. Games all day long. Let's face it, we're not tuning in for the studio shows. We're tuning in for the games. Studio shows are good as a bridge to the next game. I don't mind half an hour, an hour highlights at the end of the night, but it's, it's the dessert. It's not the main course. You don't sit down at Thanksgiving and bring out the pies first. Yeah, you do it at my house, but... Not the Snigeldorf house, apparently. We, we, do it, we do it different. <laughs> Everyone eat as much apple pie as possible. The turkey and the stuffing will be ready in three hours. Meantime, pie. We had Hans Olsen over one year. That's where the line came from. I got to get this pie in me. Hans, there's no rush, man. We got three hours of pie eating time before we get to the main course. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's draft day. More on the draft next. Craig Bowlerjack at 8.30. Ben Anderson at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.